If it's your first time here, I want to thank you so much for being here. It's a perfect time to start hanging out with us because we are launching a brand new series today called Process. And uh, I think that this is going to be one of those series where somebody's life is going to be radically different at the end. Somebody's going to be excited through the entire series, clap a lot, say amen, but be exactly the same. That happens a lot. It's called hype. And then there's going to be some people that just kind of sit there. That happens a lot too. It's called being boring. I believe that this series has the potential to radically change people's lives because it is addressing something that the modern church for the past several generations has radically chosen to ignore for whatever reason. I believe that it is of the Holy Spirit, not just random, but very specific for this time and this place. So I am incredibly excited about it. That said, last week we launched this series off with this one very powerful idea. And for many of us, for many people last week, it's a defining moment when you come to this realization, not, not just in your head, but when you come to this realization in your heart and the fullness of who you are, when you realize and you recognize and not some 50,000 feet level, but in a day-to-day actuality, practicality, everyday way that we are created for an actual purpose. Despite what society and culture tries to tell us every single day, that it's random, uh, that it's all an accident, that, that despite scientific law being built on the reality that chaos never goes into order except for the foundation of the earth according to some things, but that there is nothing that is disorder, that everything is order, everything, nothing's coincidental, nothing is accidental, that everything is on purpose, that everything that that God did has an order, everything that God did has a purpose, and we have been distinctly created for a distinct purpose, and that everything matters, that the time that we live, the ethnicity, our culture, our background, the way we look, our strengths, our abilities, even our weaknesses. See, nobody thinks about the things that we're not good at. That matters too. I thought that I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. I'm a pretty good basketball player, but I'm like 5'9", the wrong ethnicity, and this is my vertical. Did you miss it? It was about 10th grade. I went to Gardner-Webb, and this guy 360 dumped over top of me, and I left early, and I was like, okay, I need to start concentrating on golf or something. Right? What you're not good at. It's just as important as what you, everything about you is for a reason and for a purpose. And, and that was what we launched. So there is a purpose. And there's a defining moment when you really come to that. Not, not, just in, not just in like some conceptual idea, but in an actual, when you come to that place and you recognize that that, that purpose in following Jesus Christ, that, that there is a God, that there is a creator, and that he created me for a distinct and powerful purpose. And that I will discover that in following him and that that, that rests in him and that, that there is something to do, that there is a distinct thing to do and it's not random. That's a defining moment. That's an epic moment. That's a powerful moment in someone's life. But right after that moment comes another moment and I call that moment the now what moment. And that happens a lot. A lot, especially in church, because, because this, is, this is kind of how that goes. We, we, we have a moment like so many people had last week. We have a moment when we get to that place, you know, with God, with Christ, and we're following. We recognize that it's, it's not random, that, that it's not chaos, that it, that it is order, that it is on purpose, that I was created for a purpose, and, 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 and it's exciting, and it's amazing, and you kind of have that brave heart moment. You kind of have that, that just that, that energetic moment, and then it's kind of like, now what? Now what? 
It's that now what moment that the church has highly ignored. And because of that, that now what moment becomes a now what season. And that now what season becomes one of the longest, most frustrating seasons of your life at which most people's hopes and dreams die in. Because it's this season that the church has chose to not teach about or talk about, even though Jesus Christ was so explicitly clear about it. I hate country music. <laughs> I don't mind phones ringing in service. I really don't. I super, super upset that was a country song that came on, though. <laughs> That's offensive. So is country music. <laughs> I, Savannah, I love you with all my heart. What do you do with this now? (laughs) There is a a process that comes right after you start to follow Jesus Christ. Right after you recognize in your heart and in your mind. And you know, I'm created for a purpose. There is a process that rests between where you are in that moment. And you actually realizing and living out and executing that purpose that you were born for. The one thing that you have to know, if you, if you even skim through the Gospels and skim through Acts, the one thing that you have to realize and you have to know and you see so clearly is that Simon Peter, this guy Simon that we find early in the Gospels, this fisherman, this guy who owned the fishing business, who inherited this business from his dad, and, 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 and he was, he was this kind of this outspoken, cocky, kind of made foolish decisions, like cutting people's ears off for really no reason, and just kind of brash, and, and just kind of arrogant, and just, just kind of just this, this guy, this, this Simon, this Simon who kind of like got afraid of like a 13-year-old girl, right, right there in kind of the heat of the moment when he promised Jesus he would stand up for him, and, and just like this Simon who we see right here, this fisherman, this guy right here at the beginning of the Gospels, and then the Peter, who we see at the end of Acts, leading the church and laying the foundation and changing the world and in literally causing a paradigm shift in history. And the society and the culture and the world has never been the same since. The Peter that, that wound up dying for the name of Jesus Christ, the Simon that we see early in the Gospels, and the Peter that we see at the end of Acts, are two totally different human beings. There's nobody that can go through and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts and say that the Simon that we see early in the Gospels and the Peter that we see in Acts are the same people. They're not. Two totally different people. One one is this, this, this whiny, complaining, arrogant, super cares what people think about him, Guy, fisherman, and the other one's this world-changing preacher, leader, shepherd, history changer. And what rests between these two people are a process. And what a lot of people think, and I want, you to, I want you to listen to me, what a lot of people think is it's just time that stands between who I am now and then who I was born to be. It's just time that stands between who I am now and growing into my purpose. It's just time that stands between who I am now and growing into my gifts. It's just time. It's just a matter of, of, of days going by and weeks going by and years going by. It's just a matter of getting older. Wrong. Because they're still old, stupid people. That's not offensive. I didn't say you were an old, stupid person. That would have been offensive. That's not what I said. I said, there is fact, old, stupid people. You know some. Don't look. (laughs) 
There are, there are old people wasting their life. There are old people not fulfilling their purpose. There are old people not doing what it is that they were put on this earth to do. There are old people not doing the thing that God created them to do. So it's not just time that is separating you from who you are now in Christ to who Christ created you to be. It's not just time. It's something more than that. There's a process. There's a process that stands between who you are now and who you were born to be. There's a process that stands between Simon the fisherman and Peter the world changer. There's a process. And that process is powerful. And we're going to talk a lot about that process over the next few weeks. And it has the potential to change your life. And it will also answer some questions. And it will help you get out of that, okay, now what? So you don't have a now what moment that turns into a now what season and you die in that season. That you can bypass it and move right into the process. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 16. Start with verse 13. We're going to go through this pretty fast, and I'm, I'm going to get to something, and I'm going to show you something. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? To the disciples. Who do you say that I am? That's what everybody else says that I am. But who do you? Who do you say that I am? You've been following me around for a couple of years. After seeing me, listening to me, talking with me, spending time with me, going after me, watching me. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. You are all, you're the, all, the one that all the prophets said would come to save the world. You are the one that we've been waiting on. You are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. This is an epic moment. This is the, this is the proclamation. This is the first human being to declare that Jesus Christ was the savior of the world. It's huge. Immediately, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you, talking to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter, who I might add he just said was the Son of God. I just never understand this. Just said he was the Son of God. Just said he was the Son of God took him aside and rebuked him. Hashtag idiot. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. All right, so I, I want to I catch us back up real fast. I want to make sure we know what just happened. So this is a, this is a, a series 
of, of events that happened very close to one another. Most of them happened simultaneously, like right on top of each other. So Jesus turns to me and says, okay, who does everybody say that I am? Some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You're the Son of the living God. You are who we've been waiting on. He professes his faith and his belief that he is who he said he was. Immediately, don't miss this because it super matters. Immediately, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who was in heaven. Immediately, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. You are the rock. And then he goes on to explain that he's going to build this movement. He's going to build this ecclesia. He's going to build this church. He's going to build this, this movement, this growing, this, this growth, this, this, this group of people that are going to meet around the idea that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. And it's going to be so strong and it's going to be so powerful that not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. It's powerful. But then he steps back from the universal and then he speaks directly to Peter again. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He immediately separates Simon, son of Jonah, leaves him, and then tells him, you are Peter. He gives Simon, son of Jonah, you're blessed. And then he gives him a new name. He gives him a new thing. And then he gives him a new function. He gives him a new responsibility. He gives him a new... He begins to outlay who Peter is going to be in the future. You're going to be a leader. You're going to be a leader in this movement. You're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a shepherd. This is what it's going to look like. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Super powerful, different message, but that's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal, Right? Some of you get the keys to the janitor's closet and you're like, I got some power, right? He's got the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is significant. And then he, he starts to tell the disciples the things, his purpose is what, why God sent him to the earth. He says, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer at the hands of the chief priests and the Pharisees and, and I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. I'm going to die, but I'll be raised to life. I've got to go die for the sins of the world. I've got to go because I didn't just come with the message. I came with the message, but I also came to defeat death, hell, and the grave. I came to do some crazy, amazing, powerful things. And he begins to tell them what's going to happen. And then Peter begins to rebuke Jesus and say, no, this is never going to happen. Get this, Peter, I mean, Jesus is telling him the will of the Father, and Peter is saying, no, the will of the Father and the purpose of the Father is never going to happen. It's never going to happen to you. And Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. Just for clarity, anybody ever calls you Satan, especially Jesus, you've done messed up. You, you just want to retract whatever you just said. And, and as, as unique as that is and as powerful as that is and as bad for that is, the reason why is even more powerful. He says, you're a stumbling block. You're a trap. That's what that means. You see, it paints a picture if you're on a path, I'm on a path, and you're blocking me from getting to where I'm going. You've laid a trap. This mindset is a trap for me of, of fulfilling what God sent me here to do, the will of God, the purpose of God. You're a stumbling block. You're a trap for me, Peter. And then this is why. He said, because in your mind, the Bible, the NIV and the modern church, the, in your mind are the concerns of, not the concerns of God, but the concerns of men. But I want to tell you something, and I need you to listen to me. It, that word is not mind as in our mind. There is a Greek word for mind. It's done, and Jesus uses it all the time. They use it in Romans, and, and they use it, and they know this word. That is not what this word is. This word is phenol. Like, you ever heard of the, the phenol artery? Like, that is the parts around your heart. That's what Jesus says, deep in yourself. We don't really have an English word for that. That's why we use mind. But this is not just mind. This is deeper than that. It's different than that. Jesus is saying, 
there is something going on deep in yourself. And deep in yourself, it's not just the concerns. He doesn't say concerns. It says the things of God are not there. But instead, in yourself, Peter, are the things of man. In yourself, deep in yourself, around your heart. And what makes you you, Peter? In yourself, deep in yourself. It's not just the mind. It's not just the thoughts. You have to get, this matters in just a minute. Peter's already proclaimed, you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. My faith is in you. You're the son of the living God. Jesus has already called him Peter. He's given him a new name. He's given him a, a new path. He's given him a new function. He's given him a new responsibility. He's given him a new identity. He's already separated Simon and Peter. This is Peter. But he says, still Peter, in yourself, in the deepest part of who you are, there still rest the things of man. There still rest the temporary things, the things of this world, the things of this culture, the things of this age. And it's these things right here that are causing you and causing that to be a trap and a stumbling block to the purposes and the will of God. Peter, even though you professed your faith in me, even though you believe in me, even though I've already called you Peter, even though you are already the rock, even though I've already given you the responsibility, even though I've already given you the function, even though I've already told you your calling, even though you already know you're going to play some part, even though you're a follower of Christ, there's still in yourself the things of man that are a stumbling block to the will and the purpose of God, even though you're already a follower. And Jesus had a response for it. Immediately, he said, you want to come after me? You want to come after me? Then deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And I want to say this because it, just deny yourself doesn't cut it in the English. Because in that Greek, it says strongly reject self. It's the same connotation. So he says the problem is, is in the deepest part of who you are still rest the things of men. The things of the earth, the things of the culture, the things of the age. So you want to come after me? You want to follow me? Strongly reject self. Then take up your cross. And I know we like to wear pretty crosses around our neck and hang them in our car and put them on our churches. And we say beautiful things about it because Jesus died for us in love. I get that. But they're a brutal murdering tool. You understand that, right? Ain't nothing beautiful about it. It's, it's blood and it's murder and it's death. And Jesus hadn't died yet. So when they heard cross, all they heard was death. Something's about to die. Something's about to die. And follow me. Strongly. So this is what Peter hears. Peter hears there's something in the deepest part of who you are. The things of men, the things of the age, the things of the culture. And if you don't learn to strongly reject that, pick up your cross and follow me, you're going to be a stumbling block to the purposes and the will of God. And then immediately Jesus says, one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible, but it's also one of the most misunderstood scriptures in all of the Bible. Now I want to read it to you. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I'm going to say two or three things really fast. 
This is one of the most inaccurately translated scriptures in the Bible. And I want to show you some things. The reason why it gets so misinterpreted all the time is because it's, it's difficult to understand if we lack a little bit of knowledge about how the Bible was written. The Bible is written in Greek, and the Greek language is beautiful. It's like art. English is kind of boring. No offense, English teachers. We have a lot of words in the English language that mean a lot of different things. Like, for instance, I don't know, the word life. When we say life, life covers a broad spectrum of things. But in the Greek, they had different words that meant different parts of life. And they were very specific and they painted very different pictures. And they really, really, really mattered to the connotation, especially when it's going to God's word and what Jesus is speaking about throughout Scripture. And if you read this scripture and you have one idea of what life means, but Jesus is talking about a different idea of life, you could walk away thinking something that Jesus did not intend for you to think. And you could miss the power behind what Jesus is trying to portray to the disciples in this moment. So I want to I show us something really fast. That's one thing. The second thing was the word lose right here. That word lose, I just want to, and I would, please go do research and, and back me up on this. The word lose right here just simply doesn't mean the word lose. It literally means utterly destroyed is what it means. That's what it means. Like 99% of the time it's used in scripture and in other places, it means utterly destroyed. When you say the word lose, like in our context, we think of like, oh, I lost my keys today, right? Oh, I lost my phone today. I lost my wallet today. I lost my, I, I, I lost my, you know, I lost my credit card today. I lost, I lost this today. Like, like it's, like it's happenstance. Nobody's like, oh, I lost my keys to the pits of hell today and I'll never get it back. Nope. I, I utterly destroyed my keys today. Yeah, I just got mad. So I, I put them in some lava. And I'll never get them back. Yeah, I melted my iPhone today. I utterly destroyed it. It's totally different connotation. That word literally means utterly destroyed. Every other time it's used in the gospel, it's literally translated utterly destroyed. That's what it means. That's what it means. It means utterly destroyed. And even in the context, when it does say lose, it means lost to perish, as in never coming back. Extreme death. It's a violent word. You guys with me? Okay, so that matters. It's really going to matter. Just hold with me. And I'm going to talk to you really fast about life, really fast. I'm going to talk to you about three words about life. If you guys hang with me, I promise you, I promise you the Holy Spirit will teach you something. There's three words in the Greek about life. One is bios. All right, bios. It's only used 10 times in the New Testament. Bios. This is like, you got to do something fun, especially if you don't like the person next to you. Everybody reach across to the person next to you and pinch them until they make a noise. Do that. All right. You just affected their bios, their physical life, right? That's their biology. That's where we get the word from, right? Somebody was asleep and has no idea why they're in serious pain right now. <laughs> right, bios, it's like, it's, like the, it's like physical life. And every time when it's used, it's just talking about like, like life or like the day, like we're living the day or, or like livelihood, like our physical life. Like it's used once in John, it talks about a woman's livelihood, like, like her living, like, she, like her wealth, she gave out of her living, 
Does that make sense? It's like, bye, that's what it means. It's all about, that's, that, it's very distinct. It's only used 10 times. It's, it's that, I'll, I'll read it to you just to give you an example of this. In Mark 12, 44, this is bios. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Bios, like her, it, it, it's like her, your physical life and your livelihood. It, 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 it's like, it's like, it's, it's that. You following me? Yeah. All right, it's easy. No big deal. That's easy. Now, Zoe this is the big one. This is the important one. This is the one that super matters. Zoe is the life when Jesus talks about like the eternal life. He says Zoe every single time. When he refers to himself as life, he says Zoe every single time. When he talks about eternal life or he talks about the life or he talks about the abundant life, he says Zoe. All right, this is important that you understand this. When, when God told Adam and Eve, if you eat from the tree, you will die. What life died? Not bio. Zoe. Because they were still walking around. Remember they, had, they were all naked? And then they realized it and they're like, I'm going to put a fig tree on. Cover myself up. Because now I'm naked. Because there's Zoe died. When we get saved, it's Zoe that we get. It's that spirit life. It's, it's that eternal life. That's what, that's what we get. And, and it, it's, a, it, it, it's a powerful thing. And every time Jesus talks about it, it's important that you understand this. Every time Jesus refers to himself as life or to the abundant life or to pursue real life or, or to the life, it's always Zoe, always. Like 100% of the time. And I just want to read you just a few of these. John 1, 3 uh, through 4. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, or zoe. And that life was the light of all mankind. Matthew 19, 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal zoe? Eternal life. But small is the gate, Matthew 7, 14. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to Zoe, life, life that matters. And only a few find it. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life or Zoe, maimed or crippled, than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. That's Matthew 18, 8. This is a big one. John 6. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal zoe. I am the bread of zoe. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living zoe. Bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will zoe forever. This is my flesh, which I will give for the zoe of the world. It's just funner to read it in Greek to me. Zoe, very specific. I want you to understand this. Jesus knew the language. And every single time he meant eternal life, he said Zoe. Every time he referred to himself, he said Zoe. There's never a question. Every single time throughout all of the New Testament, throughout every single word that Jesus said in the Gospels, when he said eternal life or life or when he was talking about forever, he always said Zoe. Every single time. And there's never a question. Every time they wrote it, there's never a question, not a single question. So in Matthew 16, when he chose not to say Zoe, he wasn't talking about eternal life. 
even though that's how everybody in this room who grew up in church heard it preached. But he wasn't talking about eternal life. He wasn't talking about eternity at all. He was talking about the here and the now. He was delivering a different message. See, Jesus used the third word for life, and that's psyche. And psyche, and I want you to listen to me, psyche literally means identity. It's the thing that makes you you. It's your personhood. It's your personality. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your soul, but not in the connotation that we think about it in modern America. It's the thing that makes you you. It's literally, if you go and you look it up, it, it, it literally means the thing that makes you you. Like, we can have the same bios. Like, if you don't have bios, like, you're not having a good day. You follow me? If you wake up and you don't have bios, you didn't wake up. And if you don't have Zoe, you need Jesus. Seriously. Zoe is eternal life. It's, it's life. It's the, it's the life. It's the spirit life. It matters. But every single person on the planet, God gave them psyche. God gave you an identity. God gave you a personality. God gave you you. We can have the same bios, and if you follow Jesus, we can have the same Zoe. We all have eternal life if we follow Jesus and our faith is in him. But you will never be me, and I will never be you. I will never have your psyche, and you will never have my psyche. I, I am me. And for the love of all that is holy, this world only needs one me. Ask my wife. And what makes you, you? It's your identity. It's literally what the word means. It's, the, it's literally the breath of life that is specific to you. It's, it's the personality. It's the personhood. If you go look up any of the great, and you, it, it literally just, it's identity. That's what it speaks to. And it changes the scriptures completely and totally. If you read it the way that Jesus said it, which is a dangerous game in this world. If you actually read the Bible unbiasedly, if you don't read it like you're a Baptist, if you don't read it like you're a Methodist, if you don't read it like you're a Pentecostal, if you don't read it like you're a Catholic, if you don't read it like you're black, white, red, or yellow, but you just read it like you've never read it before, and you just read it the way that Jesus intended for us to read it, like he is the king and the Lord of the universe, and he doesn't need any help explaining what he said. Because when Jesus said this, he knew exactly what he was saying. And there's no need to debate and argue and make it fit into our theology. And so I want to play a game with us this morning. This morning, I want to put out all of our bias. I want to put out all of our past. I want to put out all the things that the preacher said growing up. And I just want to look at the Bible for what it says. And I want to sit down in that moment. Now, I want to, I want to get in that moment. You got to remember, just, just, it could have been that morning, it could have been the night before, it could have been the day before, but just, just recently, we, we had this moment where Jesus said who it was, and Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God, and Jesus just looked at him and said, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed, this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but this was revealed to you by my Father, and I tell you that you are Peter the Rock. 
And upon this thought process, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I'm going to, and then he goes, this is your new responsibility. This is your new function. He starts to outlay what Peter is going to be. And then he begins to tell them who, what Jesus is going to do, what I'm, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to suffer at the hands of the chief priests and I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be raised to life. And then Peter rebukes him. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. You are a trap to what I was put on this earth to do, what God sent me to do. And the reason you're a stumbling block is because in your inner self, phenol, around your heart, in yourself, you still have the things of man, the things of the age, the things of the culture. Now, he divided Simon and Peter. You got to understand this. You got to understand the, the context. He says, deep in yourself, Peter, even though I've already renamed you, even though I've already given you a new identity, even though I've already told you what your future will, even though I've already started to paint the picture, and even though you're a follower, and even though your faith is in me, inside of you, Peter, still lives a lot of Simon. And that part of you, that Simon in you, is going to be a stumbling block to the will and the purpose of God. So I have a solution. You have to strongly reject yourself. And pick up your cross and follow me. And now I want to read it the way that Jesus said it, word for word. He said, if you desire to save your identity, you will utterly destroy it. But if you utterly destroy your identity, you will discover it. That's what it says. He says, Peter, there's something going on in yourself, in the deepest part of who you are, man, culture, age, humanism, temporary things. It all rests inside of you. And I'm telling you right now, listen to me. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to them. Get in the moment. Think about what just happened. Think about what he just said. Now get in the moment and listen to the words of Jesus Christ. If you desire to save the Simon in you, you will utterly destroy the Peter in you. But if you utterly destroy the Simon in you, you will discover the Peter in you. Did you hear what I said? You can read it and know that Jesus is talking about two different identities. If you, if you desire to save one, it's going to destroy the other one. But if you destroy one, you're going to discover the other one. Nobody has a problem reading that and seeing that, even in the other way. Nobody does. But if you look at it, what he says, and you look at it, the context, and you look at who he's talking to, and you look at what he just said to Peter, and you look at what just happened with him, and you look at it, what he is saying, he said, there is something up inside of you, Peter. There's something still alive inside of you, and it's the old you. It's the you before I met you. It's the you before you started to follow me. And if there is a desire in you to save you, then you will utterly destroy your identity in me. If you try to save the identity that you had before you started to follow Jesus Christ, 
you will utterly destroy the identity that you were born to have in Jesus Christ. And then he asked the question, and think about it in the context of the way he says it. What if a man gains the whole world but forfeits his identity or forfeits the Peter inside of them or forfeits his purpose for being born? So what if you gain the whole world but you miss the whole reason for being placed on this earth? See, there's this, there's this concept that this is talking about forever, but he's not. He's talking about right now. He's talking about the process. He is telling them, you follow me, there's a part of you that has to die. And if you go through and you read the New Testament and you read Acts and you read the letters of Paul and you read what the Holy Spirit begins to teach, you will see over and over and over again God telling His people, the old Jew has to die, but not in some theological high concept up in heaven kind of way. Right now, today, the you before Jesus met you has to die. And if you desire to try to save it, you will miss out on the purpose that He has for you in this life. Period. Period. And if you think it's forever, I want you to see the last sentence. For the Son of Man, for the Son of Man, as in, for the Son of Man, as in what I'm about to say, everything I've said up to this point, I've said for this reason. I want you to hear me. He said all of this, and then he comes down and he says, for the Son of Man is coming in the glory of His Father. And the Son of Man is coming with all of His Father's angels. And He will reward each one for what He has done now. And that word done, and I, I want you to hear me. That word done, deed, action, it's praxis. And I know we had a lot of Greek today, but it's important. There's a word, ergon. It means random, like random work, random deed, random action. And then there's praxis in the Greek. And this means function. This means everything that you do, if it's a praxis, that you do according to your function. So like if a council makes a decision or an action, that's a praxis because they make a decision or action according to their function as a council. You with me? This is never used as a random thing. Like I was walking down the street and I did something. That's Aragon. That's just a work. That's just random. To do praxis, to do a deed, to do an action, to a praxis, it's connected to a function. So Jesus says, I want you to understand this, disciples, followers of Jesus. Peter, I want you to understand that there's a Simon in you and there's a Peter in you. And if you desire, if you desire to save the Simon in you, you will not discover the Peter in you. Simon was the fisherman. Peter has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's got a whole different function. And he goes through this whole thing and then he arrives and he says, because when I come back, I'm going to reward based off the function, based off what you've done, based off what you've done for me. Now, I don't want you to hear me wrong and think this is works. If you know me or been around me for one second, you know that's not what I'm saying. 
This isn't about salvation. That's the whole point. This is about after salvation. This is where the church, this is where religion has messed us up for the last few generations. Convincing you that salvation was the end of it. Salvation is the beginning of it. Convincing you that church is the, be- the end of it. Church is the beginning of it. We've watered the whole thing down. And Jesus is saying to Peter, you are a follower of Christ. You know that I'm the Messiah. You know that I'm the Savior. But Peter, in yourself, there is still a lot of man in you, a lot of human in you, a lot of humanism in you, a lot of stuff in you that I have to kill in order to prepare Peter for the greatness that I've called him to. And if you desire to save Simon, it will utterly destroy Peter. I'm telling you, you need to strongly reject yourself, pick up your cross, and let me kill Simon. So that I can reveal the purpose of Peter and prepare Peter and empower Peter to accomplish what I put him on this earth to do. Because when I come back in all my father's glory and all my father's angels, I'm going to reward each one according to the function, according to the purpose that I've called them to. Not just random acts done in my name. Hear me, church. Not just random acts done in my name. What does Jesus warn? See, you got to read the Bible in a whole. Jesus isn't a liar. Jesus isn't random. Everything he says matters and flows. Jesus warns the world in the last days. Everybody will come. There will be many that come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do many, many, many great things in your name? And he will say, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Just because you're doing random things in Jesus' name doesn't mean nothing you don't know Jesus and Jesus doesn't know you. Jesus isn't random. God isn't random. This world isn't random and you aren't random. You were put on this earth for a purpose and a reason. There is a distinct will for your life, a distinct purpose for your life and God promises that you will find it, that you will discover it if you will sacrifice the Simon in you. If you will lay down the Simon in you and worship. This is the practical power behind what Paul teaches in Romans 12. See, in Romans 11:36, Paul writes one of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible. One statement. He says, All things are from him, all things are through him, and all things are for him. All things in life, everything we have, everything we have in this life, the life, the breath, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, everything we have, we have is from God. And everything exists, this world, everything exists through the power of God. And everything we have is for God, for his glory, for his honor. And when you get to that place in your life as a follower of Jesus, and you get to that place and you understand That Jesus Christ is the great, beautiful, majestic Lord of the universe. That it's not just some theological concept or some philosophy or some religion. That it is a tangible power. That he is real. That he's not in some grave. That he is a real tangible king of the world and of our hearts. And that we need to live for him. That we will lay down. When When you get to that place, Paul says, in view of this, in Romans 12, in view of this, Lay down your lives as a living sacrifice. Lay down your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and genuine worship. 
Because you recognize there's nothing worth living for more in this life than Jesus Christ. Nothing. Because every single thing you could live for other than Jesus Christ, the moment you die, it's gone. It's worthless. But when you get to that place and you know that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the king of it all. And he is worth every ounce of who I am. And you get to that place and you know, I will lay down the Simon in me. Listen. Listen to the words Paul says. Now, after you lay down your life as a living sacrifice, now your mind can be renewed. Now you can be transformed. Process. Now you can be transformed. Only then will you be able to test and approve what? What God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. See, a lot of you, you're going to die in that now what moment. You're going to die sucked into religion. You're going to die going to some religious service under the name of Christ, never once experiencing the power of Jesus Christ. Because of the words of Jesus, He said, if you desire to save the identity in you, you will utterly destroy the identity. But if you will utterly destroy the identity, then you will discover it. Jesus says, when you get to that place, and I can just imagine him looking at Peter, knowing the truth, just looking at Peter and going, Peter, when you get to that place and you fully recognize that there's nothing else worth living for than me, and you no longer desire to save you, you no longer de desire to save who you were before you met me. You, there's nothing off the table. That's what I want to say. There's nothing off the table. See, what we want to do is we want to come to know Jesus. Listen to me right now because I'm about to describe to you American religion. This is what we, we want to come to Jesus and we want to say, I'm going to keep my same personality. I'm going to keep my same job, same career, same plan, same retirement plan. I'm going to go the way I want to go, do the things I want to do. I'm going to keep my same life. I'm going to do everything. I'm just saved now. That's the only thing that changes. I'm going to go to church more and I'm going to sin less. And that's Christianity. Wrong. That's religion under the guise of Christianity. That's wrong. Christianity is where you strongly reject self. You pick up your cross. You allow the Holy Spirit to kill the Simon in you. And nothing's off the table. You may not have to go to Africa and die, but maybe you do. You may not have to give up the career you've worked your whole life, but maybe you do. You may not have to quit chasing that position, but maybe you do. You may not have to sell everything you own and give it to the poor and follow Jesus, but maybe you do. You may not have to go right when your whole life you've been going left, but maybe you do. The point is, is that when you come to the realization that Jesus Christ is truly the creator and the Lord of the universe, then for you, nothing is off the table. You will lay it down and not think twice about watching it die for the glory of Jesus Christ. And the point Jesus is trying to make over and over and over again is I came not just to give you life, but I came to give you abundant life. I came not just so Simon can get saved, I came so that you can find Peter. I came not just so you can have salvation, but that you can have salvation and that you can do what I put you on this earth to do. Jesus said, if you will just lay 
down, Simon. Let me kill that wicked human beast inside of you. You will discover a powerful leader, world changer, history maker. But if you desire to save him, you'll never discover it. So again, don't waste another year in religion. Like, shoot, man, just leave. <laughs> like, if it's just religion, just go do something else. For real, what's the point? We have a finite amount of time in this life. And we have a distinct purpose. And Jesus Christ just promised you, if you will lay down your identity to me, and let me kill it then I will reveal to you the greatness you were born for let me kill the Simon in you so that I can process and prepare the Peter inside of you I believe there's a lot of people that started this year Simon I believe there's a lot of people that started this year Simon Peter but I think there's going to be a lot of people that end this year, Peter, because we're going to kill the Simon in us. If everyone will stand.